This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. God put this word on my heart a couple months ago, and um, he has this really cool way of confirming these things uh, throughout the week or a couple weeks leading up to it, and I've just had so many conversations related to this topic, and I just know that this is a now uh, word from God, so um, I just want to get right into it. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the story of the paralytic and, um, and the four friends uh, that brought him to Jesus. So uh, let's just dive right in. Uh, we're going into the book of Mark, chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 12. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole in the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat, right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, Why is he, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? But so I will prove to you that the, that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised. And they all praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. I've titled the message this morning, uh, Four of a Kind Beats a Full House. Because I believe that if we have friends that fit this mindset, if we have friends that fit this, these kind of characteristics, that I believe nothing can stop us. If we have the people, the influences in our life, I believe that nothing can stop us. Um, because if we get our friends right, if that's an area in our life that we get right, then I believe that, that we can go really far, that, w- that we're setting ourselves up for great success. On the contrary, though, if, if, I, if that's an area that we get wrong, if, if we m- mess up on our list of friends, then I believe that it's setting us up for a lot of heartache and a lot of disappointment and a lot of stress and troubles down the road. You know, several years ago, I heard Cameron give a message and he said, um, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I believe that's so true. You show me who you allow to influence you in your life and I'll show you a clear picture of what your future is going to look like. I'll show you the path to where you're heading down. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Proverbs 13.21 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise. It's a very simple principle, a very simple biblical principle. You walk with wise, you're going to become wise. You want to be smarter? Hang out with smart people. You want to to be really good financially? Hang out with people that are really smart financially. You want to have a better marriage? Hang out with people that have a really good marriage. I believe in this biblical principle so much that I made sure that my very best friend in the world was the most beautiful woman in the world. Because, yeah. Yeah, hey, come on. Come on. And so I married her. I believe in this biblical principle so much that I believe that her beauty is going to rub off onto me and I'm going to become beautiful. Right? That's good. Is that good? That's biblical, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. But the same is true conversely. The bad, if you hang around a bad crowd, you're going to suffer harm, it says. If I want to become like a super weightlifting athlete, I'm not going to hang around a professional timbit eater, right? That person's not going to take me to where I want to go. 
But I feel like we do this in our lives spiritually sometimes. We say, God, I'm all in. God, I want to go deeper. God, I want to go wherever you're going to take me. But then we don't surround ourselves with people that aren't going to line up with that principle and take us there with us, or take us to that place. And then we're surprised a couple years down the road when we're in the same place we were a couple years ago. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You know, in my life, anytime I got myself into trouble, I was never alone. <laughs> you don't do stupid things when you're by yourself, <laughs> right? Ken knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. He says, don't be misled. Why does he say that? It's pretty easy to be misled. Another version says, don't be deceived. Why? It's really easy to get deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. You can have the character of Mother Teresa, but if you surround yourself by people of bad character, it's going to corrupt that. It's going to corrupt that bad character. Proverbs 18.24 says, One who has unreliable friends will soon come to ruin. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I don't know how it works, but I don't know, maybe it's like osmosis or something. Like when you hang out with other people, you just touch them and then you just become, I don't know, science, whatever. Um, so this morning I want to look at the identity of these four friends. I want to dive into, they show five key characteristics or five values of what a good friend looks like. And I want to tackle those this morning. So these are five characteristics that we see in these four friends. So first off, they're committed. These four friends were committed. They're dedicated. No matter how long it took, they were going to get this, this paralyzed man to where he needed to be. It wasn't easy. It certainly wasn't convenient. It would have been a whole lot more convenient for them to go to Jesus and bring Jesus back. right? But they went out of their way to help this guy. They were loyal. They could have left him behind and said, oh, we'll pray for you, or you know, maybe, maybe, maybe tomorrow. Or, you know what, maybe we'll bring something back really nice. Maybe I'll cut you a little locket of Jesus' hair or something and we'll bring that back for you. They were committed. They carried his weight. They had his best interests in mind. These four friends were committed. Number two, they were also creative. They were so creative, they literally created the world's first skylight. And skylights became a thing from the Bible. They thought outside of the box to get to Jesus, right? The main road to get to Jesus was blocked. So back then, the, the houses, what they looked like, they had a staircase on the outside of the house, and they had a big uh, flat roof. There was a nice little patio that had some loungers and stuff. And uh, it was all made of mud and, and branches and, and clay and that kind of thing. So I could just imagine them uh, digging a hole through the roof, and Jesus is in there in that house preaching his guts out. And then all of a sudden, these little specks of dirt just come falling from the ceiling. What is going on? Jesus knew what was coming. He saw an action of faith coming into reality. And everybody else around was confused, but these guys were creative. Number three, they were courageous. They had no fear of man. They didn't care what other people thought. They would have been up against Pharisees and, and whoever else and all these doubters around them, but they stood relentless in the, in the face of persecution. They probably said things like, man, what are you wasting your time with that paralyzed guy for? He's just a waste of time. You're investing yourself in the wrong thing. What are you doing with this guy? But they stood strong in that face of persecution. They were courageous. Number four, they were community-minded. They came together like a band of brothers. All right, we don't know the backstory of, of these guys, whether they're all individually friends with, with a paralyzed guy or maybe a whole group of them, the five of them, hung out together. But they all came together in one accord. They all had the same thing in mind. They all had the same idea, the same motive, and the same purpose. 
there's so much importance in having people around you that are all after the same thing. And that leads me to my fifth point here, is that they were all Christ-seekers. All four of these friends were Christ-seekers. They believed in God. They knew that Jesus was the only way that this guy was going to get healed. And they didn't stop at what they were doing. They didn't stop at anything to get this guy to the feet of Jesus. They were Christ-seekers. This morning, I want you to embrace this message with your friends in mind. The people that you allow to influence your life. Take an inventory of the people in your life that speak over your life. Do you have people that are daring and bold and willing to reach out and step outside of the box? Be a little creative, be courageous, and be committed. You know, science has done many studies on the impact of friends. Sounds really simple, but um, the same is kind of true conversely when we don't have a group of core friends in our life. It says that um, long-term health effects, not having close friends in our life, is as detrimental as obesity and smoking combined. Interesting. And in 2010, there was a study done of the uh, social ties um, of long-term effects of having good friends in your life. And it was found that it's as beneficial, uh, sorry, it's twice as beneficial as exercising as it is hanging out with one of your friends. Sorry, I said that backwards. I just had a stroke. It's okay. Um, It's twice as as effective, twice as beneficial to hang out with a close friend than it is exercising. So next time you're thinking about going to the gym, Maybe, maybe, maybe grab a bag of Doritos or something and head over to a friend's house. See, I'm set because I go to the gym with like one of my best friends. So that's like a double, that's like a triple workout. Um, this morning, if I can talk about the definition of a friend. Let's talk about the definition of, of a friend. Because I believe it's changed. I don't think a friend is the same as it was like 20 years ago, right? That word friend, I believe, has actually evolved over time. Technology has totally changed how we view friends. Right, it used to be people that I played road hockey with every day or like, you know, you have sleepovers with or you hang out with and do life with. But now a friend can be, come from the simple click of a button, the simple tap of a finger. You don't even have to meet the person and you can be considered their friend. I believe that the word friend has evolved and changed over time and it changes how we view community, how we view life together. I want to share a couple stats with you. These are American stats, so bear with me. It says the average person has 338 Facebook friends. Yeah, don't worry, I fall short of that too. Um, <laughs> I, could, I could see y'all figuring out how many friends you got. The average person has 338 Facebook friends, and the average American would say that they only have two close friends. Two close friends. This is down from six just 20 years ago. And 25% of people said that they have zero close friends. Zero close friends. We live in a world where there's plenty of online activity but limited face-to-face connection. And it changes how we do community, how we do life. What would our story in the book of Mark look like today? What's a modern-day example of that? Well, let's let's use the name Mark. That's just because that's easy. So let's say Mark's posting a lot of, you know, really depressing photos on Facebook, a lot of duck face... Don't even get me started. A lot of duck face sad photos or whatever. And you know, he starts commenting, putting statuses as, you know, he's feeling kind of lonely today. Really sad. Oh, it's such a tough day today. Or you can see that he's attending a lot of self-help clinics or something like that. Or he starts sharing a lot of, a lot of articles that are about suicide awareness and stuff like that. Do you think he has close friends that would be willing to do more than just like his status? Or comment, hey, I'm thinking of you. Praying for you. 
Do you think he has friends that are willing to show up at his door and do something crazy bold and say, hey, I'm here for you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to take you where you need to go. I'm going to take you to the feet of Jesus. Hey, have you met my friend Jesus? Based on the stats that I just read, probably not. I'm not knocking social media. I think social media is a great tool that's been used by the church in a great way for evangelism, reaching out to other people, but it's changed how we view community. But these four friends, they understood community like nobody else ever I've ever seen, excuse me. They also were so relentless. I love the relentlessness of these four friends. You know, when they, when they were going, carrying that guy on a mat to, to the house where Jesus was at, and they, they ran at a huge crowd of people, that would have deterred some people from continuing on, right? Me, that would have freaked me out. I cannot stand crowds, right? I hate crowds. It's awful. Toronto, yeah, just awful. You know, we, a couple years ago, we went to uh, New York City, and I thought I was going to die. Really did. The, the people to oxygen molecule ratio is way out of whack. I don't think that's healthy. And there's rats like the size of your face that are just up and down the thing. How many oxygen molecules does a rat require? These are the things I think about. Pray for me. What was I talking about? Man. Rats, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. So these four friends were, were running after Jesus, and then all of a sudden, bam, a huge crowd of people blocking their way. Sometimes people in our lives can be the greatest deterrent from us getting to the feet of Jesus. Whoa. Sometimes people can be a roadblock to us reaching Jesus. They may not know it. They may not be doing it on purpose. But sometimes people that we even call our friends can be limiting us and hindering us from reaching Jesus. They can be uncaring. They can be doubting. They can be discouraging, maybe even just taking up time and space. Or they could even be actively trying to keep you from the feet of Jesus. Take an inventory of the people around you, people that you call your close friends. Are they trying to keep you from the feet of Jesus? Because if they're not leading you closer to Jesus, it's possible that they're leading you in another direction. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And if I can say this, when we step into the promises of God, not everybody can go with you. When we step into the promises of God, not everybody can go with you. A couple years ago, we used to live on, on the other side of town, and uh, it was amazing. We had, um, it was a new subdivision. There were a bunch of young couples there. Everybody was, you know, in the same age. Nobody had any kids. Everybody had a dog. There were no fences. We hung out all the time. It was amazing but they weren't leading us in the right direction. And at, around the same time, you know, we were very invested in, in impact. And within a year and a half or so, there were a couple prophetic people that had come into the church and started speaking of some crazy promises of God and some prophetic words over our lives. And we knew that in the place that we were at, if we kept going along the same path that we were going, that we wouldn't reach those promises of God. So we did something really bold and we moved to the West End. We're like, God, like, I know this is kind of crazy, but we're, we're going to chase after all you got. So, so we don't want any hindrances in the, in the way. And it's amazing how, God's, how things have flourished in our life ever since we moved to the West End. I'm not saying move away from your neighbors or whatever. <laughs> like, um, but not everybody can go with you when you step into the promises of God. Do you guys receive that? Yeah. It's very important to pick the right friends who know the promises of God in your life.
Because if they know the promises of God in your life, they can encourage you and speak into that and speak encouragement and, and carry you to that goal. You know, the best part about friends is that we get to choose them, right? You get to choose your own friends. Yeah? You guys excited about that? Hey, yeah, that's good. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous should choose his friends carefully. We get to choose our friends. We are ultimately responsible for who or what we allow to influence us. And if I can say this, if, if we don't have all age, age groups kind of represented in our life somehow, then I feel like we're missing on, out on some of the greatest that the kingdom of God has to offer. You know, our closest friends, I, don't, I think they're all at least 12 years older than us, right? We've chosen to just hang out with people that are older than us. That, and not so that we can like, get into their will when they die or whatever, but like, I mean, mathematically speaking, like, it's, it's probable, but you know, the, <laughs> Jehovah Jireh, the Lord does provide. Amen? Um, no, I, I just love talking to older people. And, you know, I say that with love, right? But, you know, I, I like to call them uh, Proverbs 1631 people. You know, gray hair is a crown of glory. You know, those kind of people. Those are good people. Um, no, but I love hearing the wisdom and life experience that they have to offer. You know, people that have been there, that have suffered through it. They've walked through the valleys and, and you know, we want to build a bridge over the valley. So we're, we're going to find out how we can do that, right? And they, they have so much wise uh, teaching that they want, to, they want to walk us through. And, and that's why we just love soaking up and hearing some of the wisdom that they have. And it has nothing to do with age, but the fact that they've walked with God for a long period of time. And they have the spiritual fruit to back it up as well. Um, so... The youth that are here, I don't know if there's any youth here, and young adults, I want to encourage you guys, find somebody in that age group. Find somebody that's 10 to 15 years older than you, or 20 years older, or 30 years older than you. Because they're going to, they've been through that, you know. <laughs> Some of the youth say, like, man, you guys just don't know what it's like to be in high school. Yeah, I do. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> uh, the same stuff that they went through, they're going through now, we went through. But, you know what? Just, I want to encourage you, find somebody in that age group, grab a hold of them, and just let them speak over your life. Let them, let them encourage you. Let them, let them carry you to the promises of God. Um, be spiritual sponges. Be wisdom sponges. Just soak up all the wisdom that they have to offer. Walk with the wise and become wise. You know, I also like listening to um, the younger people talk because, you know, they, they've got some awesome wisdom too, believe it or not. Like, First of all, I don't understand half the stuff that comes out of their mouth. I need like a dictionary for some of the stuff that they're talking about. But the other half is actually quite wise. You know, God, re- God reveals some really cool things. And, and, and I want to honor them just as I want to honor the older people in my life that, that have spoken into me. But I honor them when I receive the wisdom that they have to offer. Because I believe if we, if, we, if we ignore the younger generation, then we're shutting the mouth of an entire generation that God wants to use for his glory. Right? <sighs> We have some amazing young people in this church. Amazing young people. You know, we've, <laughs> we've had... Uh, T is one of them. Amen. You know, we, we've, we've had the amazing privilege the last couple weeks to hang out with some of the young adults in this church. And they're so on fire for God. And the revelations that God gives them is amazing. And they're so hungry for more. And it's amazing. I, I'd, I'd encourage you guys, some, some of you guys that are, you know, the gray hairs, crown of glory group of people, I love you. Reach out to some of these young people. They got some crazy stuff that God's sharing with them. And it's amazing, absolutely amazing. That's the best part about church is that, you know, we, we have all kind of wide age, age range, right? It's amazing. Um, you guys getting anything out of this? Is this okay? You guys are good? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch thoughts a little bit here um, along the theme of this message. But 
Uh, Galatians 6 verse 1 says, to bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. These four friends, they carried the burden of their brother, right? And that's, that's, the, that's the law of Christ he's kind of calling us. It's our Christian duty to help, just like the Good Samaritan, right? Sometimes it can be as simple as just lending a hand on the corner of the mat. Sometimes it can be carrying the entire bed, right? Sometimes it may just be an encouraging word, something as simple as that. But there's great importance in working together for a given task, Okay, it's impo- it would have been impossible for just one of those friends to have carried him all the way to the feet of Jesus. Right? There's so much importance in working together for a given task. Just think about last summer. Remember that the, uh, the outreach we did at Rita Heights and rebuilding that library? Could you imagine Cameron doing that by himself? I've seen that guy with power tools. It's not pretty. <laughs> I joke, but he'd be the first to admit it, so it's okay. Unless the whole library was like Ikea or something, an Ikea library. Um... Let me give you an example. Take a look at the Canadian geese, okay? Every, every spring and fall, we see them fly north and south, right? And they typically fly in the same pattern, right? What's, what's that pattern? The flying V, right? Ducks fly together. Um, each goose flap, every time they flap together, I've always wondered why, but every time they, they fly in that V, when, when each goose flaps its wings, it creates an upward lift for the goose that follows it. When they're in the V formation, the whole flock can fly 71% has a greater flying range than if they're flying alone. 71% further. Teamwork makes all the difference. Find some people that are after the same things in your life, and they'll help take you there. Okay, teamwork is amazing. When you're working towards the same thing to get to the same goal, it's amazing. I want to share another verse that talks about the importance of community in Colossians chapter 3, starting verse 12. It says, God chose you, the holy people that he loves. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, and gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive one another who offends you. Clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. This verse, this verse talks about uh, how, how important it is and what a friend looks like, and, and more than that, what a church community looks like. Paul was talking to the Colossian church here. He was talking to a church Right? The importance of community, importance of staying plugged into the believers that are around you, the people that are sitting on your left and your right, the importance of that. Now, not just having friends that you know, have common interests with you, right? That's the easy thing. Someone who has the same interests, you know, we cheer for the same sports team or whatever, but he actually defines a friend as this, someone who's tender-hearted, merciful, kind, and patient. It's, friend is how you treat each other. That's how you define a friend, is how you treat each other. And I feel like, you know, we're all friends right here because of the way we treat each other. We share it with love with one another. You know, you will do things for a friend that you won't do for a stranger, right? You'll always have their back. You'll even have those tough conversations. You'll speak the truth and love to them. Hey, John fifteen twelve says, This is my commandment, that you love one another. No greater love than to lay down one life for my friend. And Ecclesiastes 4.12 says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two standing back to back, they can conquer. Best part about church community is that when someone messes with one of us, he messes with all of us. If there's an attack against a single person in this church, it's an attack against the entire church. Right? And that's how the, that's how the enemy likes to work. He doesn't, he doesn't attack people in groups. He likes to pick people out one by one. Right? Look at Eve in the Garden of Eden. Right? He picked one. Look at Jesus in the wilderness. He even went after Jesus when he was by himself, not in a group. He likes to attack people when they're on their own. But when we as a church body 
hear, get wind of, of an attack against one of, the, one of the church members. We all stand together in strength and spirit and we pray for, pray for unity. We, we feed each other. We love on each other. You know, we stand on guard together. You know, many years ago, um, the University of Virginia did a, a really cool study and they analyzed, uh, they did a brain analysis through MRI on uh, individuals under the threat of receiving an electric shock. Okay? So what they did is they, they put three people in a room and did an MRI on one person. Okay? So they threatened the one person with, an, MRI, with a, an electric shock. They didn't actually shock him. It's all good. They threatened him with an electric shock, and they analyzed his brain. Then they went over to the other side of the room, and they threatened his friend with an electric shock, and they analyzed the brain of the first guy. Then they went to a complete stranger, and they went to shock him, and they analyzed the brain of the first guy. The brain scan, they took the three different pictures, put them together, and the brain scan showed absolutely identical picture of the friend being attacked and himself being attacked. The brain interpreted it as, when it, they went to attack his friend, the brain interpreted it as an attack against himself. When someone attacks one of us, they attack all of us. Right? Is that good? Community is so important. Community is so important. I love the body of the church. And you know, community is so much more than just attending a church service, but doing life together. Forgiving one another, fighting for one another, praying for one another, believing in one another. You know, I got a, I got a pretty cool um, glimpse of community yesterday. Um, I did something really stupid. Um, it's all how all good stories start, right? <laughs> um, I did this thing called a Spartan race, and you like run up a, down a mountain a couple times, and you do all these obstacles and stuff. And God showed me through me being in and out of consciousness of um, this verse, Hebrews 12:1 says, "Let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us." Let us, let us, he says. We're not meant to run the race alone, right? I couldn't imagine if they had set up that whole course just for me. I wouldn't have finished it. I had people that were beside me that were encouraging me when I couldn't get up off the ground that would pick me up and say, go. I couldn't do it on my own. The obstacles that we face, we're not meant to do them alone. That's what this church body is all about, this community is about, is to help people get through those obstacles, to help them get to the other side, to get to the next, to the next thing that's in front of us and carry us to the next place. You know, we, we got a great... Um, experience of community uh, a couple years ago we, we spent 10 weeks in Haiti and it was amazing we were just surrounded by a community of believers there were missionaries from all across North America and and we were on this compound and we were just surrounded by by people who were chasing after God and and gave gave their all for God and you know we, we gained so much like wisdom and knowledge in that in that little bit of time it was amazing um, you know every conversation was God-centered it was great. We broke bread together. We, we prayed for one another. We stopped exactly what we are doing, and we prayed for one another. And we saw breakthrough in different things. And, you know, there was no gossip, no complaining, no criticizing. It was amazing to see the work that God was doing through that little bit of time. Um, and, and, you know, we were, we were talking about, you know, we were, we were encouraging each other and, and prophesying over each other and, and some awesome stuff. And like, hey, man, what are you believing for, for from God in the next season? And it was great. You know, like I was so spiritually full. Like I felt like I didn't even need to eat. I actually lost 30 pounds in 10 weeks. There's a diet for you, spiritual fullness. I'm going to trademark that, spiritual fullness. Um, but there, there, there's wisdom to be gained when you surround yourself by the proper, proper circumstances or proper influences, when you put yourself in those situations. 
right? When, if you surround yourself by habitual sinners, you're, you're probably going to sin. It's a deep thought, right? You're probably going to walk in, in that. But when you surround yourself by faith builders, what's going to happen? You're going to have your faith built. We see this with the youth. Every year we go away on a conference, and um, they're completely transformed from the day we leave to the, to the time we come back. Because they've been surrounded by people that are loving on them, that are praying for them, that are prophesying over them, that are building them up. They're completely different people from the end uh, as to when they left. So I propose this. Let's be like the Acts Church. We're all going to sell everything we have, our house. We're going to buy a giant building. We're going to get Trump to come in and build a big wall around it. And we're going to do community. And it's going to be, and you're going to like it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, Obviously, obviously, we can't affect change if we shelter ourselves from the culture, right? And don't, don't hear what I'm not saying here this morning. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have friends that don't know Jesus. I'd be a hypocrite if I were to stand here and say that, right? Because we, we, can't, we, can't we can't be a light in darkness if we're, never, if we're always surrounded by light, right? We're meant to be a light in the darkness, so sometimes we do have to go to those dark areas. But we've got to be a light that shines brighter than that darkness, right? There's a difference between being influenced by other people and being the influence, right? Um, you know, I, I hear a lot of people say that, oh, well, but Jesus hung out with, with, with thieves and prostitutes and stuff. Yeah, he totally did, but he was a light in that situation, and he, he owned the room. Anytime he had a conversation in those, those, those areas, he always owned the room. He directed the conversation, and every conversation led towards God, right? He never let them direct the conversation. But you notice who he spent the most time with was the 12 disciples. Well, three in particular. He had three besties, right? Peter, James, and John. Get an inner circle. I want to close with this uh, passage. Chandler, I'm going to jump right to verse 23. Uh, Hebrews 10, verse 19 to, uh, I guess, 23 to 25. Um, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and of good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He says not to neglect a meeting together. He's talking about the church. He's talking about don't neglect this group. Always come together and, and assemble and, and talk about my goodness. Talk about the goodness of God, I mean. And, and, never, um, and notice he also says, he keeps talking about let us. Right? There's that phrase again, let us. Let us. We were never meant to do life alone. We were never meant to do community on your own. You know, I hear some people say that they do home church or whatever. Like, like they'll like watch videos of church or something. Like, what? I don't get that. Church is meant to be a body of community to, to believe one another and pray for one another, lift each other up, right? We, I, I, and I love, you know, watching those videos and stuff, and I believe that there's, there's a time and a place for that stuff, but that should never be our main course. Like, this is our main course right here. I love this body right here. That's like dessert, and I love dessert, love dessert. But that's like dessert too, okay? You know, this, this local community that we're in right now, they'll pull out the very best of who you are. They'll, turn, they'll, they'll pull the very best out of who you are and be able to, to lead you into the very best direction and the very best potential that's over your life. I don't know where I would be right now without this community. I certainly wouldn't be standing up here. But... They transformed me from whatever I was six years ago to who I am now by loving on me, by encouraging me when I had no courage in myself and kept doubting stuff of myself, but kept claiming the promises of God of me. And Cameron and Sandra are amazing, and they always encourage me no matter what. If I screw up, they dust me back off and put me back out there. 
They're awesome. I love those guys. This church holds the pieces together. It's held the pieces together in my life. They've fed me, sometimes a little too much. They've clothed me, clothed my kid, for crying out loud. It's amazing. But the coolest part of this story, and this, I'll leave you with this. This is a little teaser for next week. But the coolest part of this story was that it, it was not the man's faith that actually healed him, right? It wasn't the paralyzed man's faith that brought him to healing. Uh, let's, let's look exactly at what the wording was in, Jesus, in um, verse 5. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, when he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic man, son, your sins are forgiven, and eventually to, brought to the point of healing. He said their faith. Let me ask you this morning, do you have a they in your life? Do you have a they group of friends that have the faith to believe in you and to carry you to the feet of Jesus and to carry you to that place of healing? It's so important that we get this area right. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's so important to have a group that's creative and courageous and, and, and um, you know, Christ-seeking and community-minded people around us. I want to challenge you this morning to take an inventory of the people in your life, the people that you allow to influence you in your life. Are they taking you in the right direction? Are they taking you to the feet of Jesus? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Does that future lead to the feet of Jesus? Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.